are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Seventy years ago, C.S. Lewis wrote Mere Christianity. And he made a challenge. Now, how many of you would say, um, there was a time in my life when I remember as a kid I pretended to be somebody. I mean, most of us remember doing that. Like my little granddaughter, I see her playing with her dolls and she pretends to be the mommy, right? Or how many of you ever was on a basketball court by yourself with a basketball and you were pretending to be Michael Jordan or somebody, you know? I remember pretending to be a Super Bowl uh, superstar basketball player and I was also the commentator calling the play I was about to make. But we all understand kind of what it is to, to pretend to be somebody. So C.S. Lewis says... What if for a day of your life, you're going to love this, you've got to listen closely, okay? What if for a day, you are to pretend to be Jesus? So, so let's you and I take it a step further and say that it's today, and right now, you've decided to pretend today to be Jesus. And there are people sitting in front of you and behind you and to the sides of you, and you're in this room, but, but you're pretending all day long today to be Jesus. So how would that change your day? You probably would be pretty quick to forgive. And pretty full of compassion. And pretty deeply steeped in love for the people around you. And you probably would be putting everybody else first. You would hold more days today than you would hold any other day in your life. No, you go ahead. And C.S. Lewis says the reason that there is value in spending a day of your life pretending to be Jesus is because it would so precisely reveal those areas in our lives that we desperately need to improve in. So so what if if we just kind of take the next 25 minutes and we focus on one aspect of Jesus' life, and that is humility. who lived humbly as a human being. And he always put everybody else first. And he always said, you matter more than I do. And he always said, no, it's not about my interest. Let's focus on your interest. So what is the opposite of that? So what is an antonym for for humility? What what is the opposite of humility? It's, It's pride. And so what if you said, I'm not going to live that way, some prideful life. In other words, I'm just going to try to focus on Jesus' humility and follow His example. So, pick up a Bible, Philippians chapter 2. We were there last week. We're back again this week. And we're going to start reading with verse 5, okay? Philippians chapter 2, start reading with verse 5. So, 2,000 years ago, a man whose name was Paul, tent maker slash missionary, is thrown into prison because of his faith. He dictates a letter to a group of believers in a town called Philippi. He had planted that church with a few believers. And now they are dealing with some divisive issues. And what he does in the letter is he gives them a prescription to heal the wounds of division. And the prescription is simply this. Why don't you take on the same mindset of Jesus? 
and your relationships with each other, why don't you treat each other like Jesus would treat you? And so here we go, okay? Verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. It, it, it's a matter of attitude. It's a matter of mindset. What do you think in your mind? What do you believe in your heart? What, what angle do you come from? You should think like Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Listen to these words. By taking the very nature of a servant, not just a man, but a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbles himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death of a cross. So this is God's word for us today. Amen? All right, so we live in a world where symbols mean something, all right? So what we're going to do in a moment is I'm going to put a symbol on the screen. And when the symbol shows up on the screen, I want you to say what that symbol represents. Are you ready? Here we go. Mercedes-Benz. Well, there's also words, but I think you could have gotten it without the words, right? I think when you see that symbol, it represents something. It represents more than a car company, though. So I'm just going to ask you, and I want you to respond. And I'm kind of looking for one word, and I've got a feeling you might say the one word in unison. So when you see that symbol, what else does it represent? Wealth. Yeah. That's what I think when I see the symbol. Let me show you another symbol. You ready? Here we go. This is it. So in our society... A manger has become a symbol. And it's a symbol that has meaning. So not only is it a reminder to us of Jesus' birth and what they laid Him in when He was a baby, but it also says something else to us. And I think what it says to us is humility. I mean, you think about it, He's God, right? I mean, He can do anything He wants. He has all the power in the world. He could have said, I want to be born in a palace and I want my crib to be a Mercedes Benz. I mean, He could have pulled that off. I want my crib to be made of pure gold. But here's what Jesus says. A manger will be fine. I don't really need any more than that. I mean, a manger with some hay and some rags. I mean, that, that'll work for me. I don't have to have any more. So, here's what Paul says. He did not consider his equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. He did not say, I don't think so. He was not full of pride and said, I'm not laying in a manger. Forget it, I'm God. He didn't say, I'm going to use my power to create something much better than a manger. He goes, no, I'm not going to use my position for my own advantage. A manger in a stable filled with hay and some rags will do just fine. So let's, let's talk about this idea of using a position or a situation to your own advantage. Something happened to me this week. I think it's kind of funny. I was in my office, and my wife Annette and I, we work together. Annette's sitting here, and so her office is right outside my office door. And so I got ready to leave my office the other day, and I said to Annette, I said, hey, want a hug? 
And she said, yeah. And so I walk over and she stands up and I put my arms around her and the hug turns into more than a hug. We just kind of stood there actually for a little bit of time just kind of holding each other. We weren't really talking to each other. It's just kind of a uh, a very warm embrace holding one another. And I'll just stop with that, okay? But that's what it boiled down to. So we're Here's what happens, though. While I'm standing there holding my wife, a guy walks out from around the hallway and right outside my office door is the elevator and he pushes the button and then after he pushes the button, he turns around. Well, when he turns around, I can see him because I'm just standing here holding a net, you know, and he looks a little concerned and then I can see he's reading on my window, Senior Pastor Rick Harvey, and I realize... He doesn't know me, and he doesn't know that my assistant is also my wife. And all of a sudden, it feels kind of awkward to me. You know what I'm saying? And so I said to Annette, okay, I'll see you later. And I walk out as he's standing there, and we're both standing waiting for And I said, hey, you kind of caught me hugging my assistant, didn't you? And I kind of smiled, and he kind of said, yep. And he looks at the ceiling a little bit. (laughs) And I said, well, hey, the neat thing is she's also my wife, you know? And he goes, okay. And I'm not feeling that he is really convinced of that. And I, I don't know what to do. I want to do something. And the door opens and we get on. And I just kind of, this nervous laughter. Ha <laughs> that was kind of funny that you saw me hugging my sister. But it's really my wife. And he just kind of said, okay. I just wanted somebody to vouch for me in that moment. So what do I do? I use a situation that's in front of me to my own advantage, right? I'm getting ready to leave my office. My wife is there with me. I say, hey, you want a hug? She says, yeah, I want a hug. We stand there. We hold each other. It's all good. Nothing wrong with that. What about those times in our lives when we use our situation or even our position to our advantage? To create wealth for ourselves? To create power for ourselves? To create privilege for ourselves. And Paul says, you want to know about Jesus? He was the antithesis of that kind of thinking. He would have never done that. Jesus was the opposite. Jesus said, for me, it's not about getting. It's about giving. (laughs) I'm not interested in being served. I came to serve. And besides that, I don't even value power or wealth or privilege. None of that stuff matters to me. And so here he is, God, who could have anything and do anything. And he says, you know what? I think this will work just fine. I think this is good enough. I can sleep right there and I'll be okay. And so a manger becomes a symbol of humility. And throughout his life, he didn't ride stallions. He rode donkeys. And he lived this life of humility. So here's what I think has to happen today for us, is that we have to say, all right, so I read the passage with you. It's probably a hymn or a poem, even maybe that Paul is quoting, or maybe he wrote it. We don't know for sure. But what do you do with that? So if we're going to walk out these doors after a while, how do we apply this to our lives? So I think that's what we have to ask. Francis of Assisi. Do you know who that is? St. Francis of Assisi died probably, what, 800 years ago. Said, I want to imitate Jesus. I want to know how to apply this to my life. And so here's what he did. 
He rejects his family's inheritance. I don't want it. He lived in poverty. Do you know how he ate his meals? St. Francis of Assisi, whom you know best probably for the prayer that he prayed, make me a servant of peace. He sustained his life by begging for bread. He kissed lepers on the cheek. And what he was saying was, I want to live like Jesus. So, Rick, are you saying that's what we should do? I mean, is that, is that what it means to live like Jesus? Is that what it means to imitate Jesus? Should I give everything away? Should I, should I beg on the streets for bread? Should I, should I embrace people with the most contagious diseases? Is that, is that what the Bible is calling me to? I mean, when the Bible talks about me being transformed into the image of Jesus, and when the Bible calls me to Christ-likeness, is that what my life is supposed to look like? Is that it? I think there's always a danger when we start to mimic anyone. And I think the greatest danger is when we say, I want to mimic Jesus, is that we forget that we are saved by faith, not by works. And I think we begin to believe that we can transform ourselves. That I can change myself to become more like Jesus. And the truth is, we cannot transform ourselves. Only God can transform us. But I do think there's some concrete things that we see Jesus doing that demonstrates His unwillingness to use His position for His own advantage. And I think in those concrete things, we can learn something about how we live like Jesus. So let's look at that together, okay? The first thing that He does, moving beyond the mindset into real life, everyday living, is He humbles Himself. And he takes on the very nature of a slave being found in human likeness. All right, now think about it. If you or me are going to come into this world and we have all the powers of God, I'm going to pick a really nice host family. You know what I'm saying? In fact, I think I'm going to pick a host family that has plenty of money and can take really good care of me while I'm an infant and a young boy growing up. In fact, I might even choose one of the many palaces that are around the world and have a good sterile environment to be in, born in because, I mean, honestly, you're going to lay me in this mess. I mean, I could catch a disease. Think about it. Wild animals eat out of this thing. Or animals, rather. Not wild animals. But Jesus is born into the home of some peasant laborers in an obscure village. This is Humility. Do you understand that Jesus is born in an ethnic minority? His people are being persecuted by the Romans. Do you know why they're persecuting them? Because they can. Did you know that Jesus was a refugee <laughs> for two years? His family puts him on a donkey and they go to Africa for two years. Do you know what you can take with you when you're a refugee? Because they were afraid of the threats of Herod. And Jesus says, I'm okay. I can live in the brokenness of humanity. I don't need a palace. 
The second thing that he does is that he becomes obedient to death of a cross. Now, you've got to think with me for just a minute. Being a slave, because he saw himself as a servant to men, is, is lowly in Jesus' day. But there is a lower place to go, and that is the death of a cross, the crucifixion. The lowliest class is of people were persecuted by being crucified on a cross. Thieves and slaves. It was reserved for those people. And so I know it's Sunday morning, you've got nice clothes on, but here's what it looked like. They would torture them first. And the torture was intense torture. Then they would either impel them or drive nails through them or use ropes to attach them to a cross and they would lift the cross into the air and it settles into the hole with a thud. And they would live there for days. Thirst, hunger, starvation, loss of blood, being attacked by birds, a wild animal. It was a slow death. And it was reserved for the lowest class of people. So so think about this with me. So Jesus, Jesus leaves the highest position possible, all right? The creator of all things. He leaves the highest position position possible and he comes to the lowest position possible and I open the Bible and the Bible says Rick I'm calling you to be like Jesus If that's what Jesus did, then what am I supposed to do? And Paul says, I've got the answer for you. Get rid of the mindset that you have right now because the mindset that you have right now flows very well with your culture. And so I'm going to offer you this countercultural kind of mindset. And the mindset that I want you to adopt is the mindset of Jesus. That is completely countercultural. And it's not about gaining power and wealth and privilege for yourself and putting yourself first. I'm calling you to this other way of thinking. The way of thinking that I'm calling to you to is the way of Jesus. It says, I don't value wealth, I don't value power, and I don't value privilege, and I don't put myself first. It's a mindset of humility. Wow. And I'm just going to tell you that as I'm trying to preach this sermon to you this morning, and I felt it in first service so strongly, I feel mostly conviction. I feel mostly that this is a really good sermon I would love to someday live up to. That's what I feel. So, for the Philippians, it meant putting other people first. It meant looking out to others' interests first. It meant living a life of humility like Jesus. What does it mean for you? And what does it mean for me? So there's some really good news here, all right? And let me, let me talk to you about this really good news. Uh, have I mentioned to you that we have a granddaughter? I'm trying to remember. Oh, that's right. I showed you her picture one time. I remember now. I have. So I'm being goofy. I know. I talk about it too much. Can't help it. It's awful. I know. I never wanted to become one of those people, but I have become one of those people who talk about my granddaughter a lot. So Annette and I, last month, 
we're going to go to Branson, Missouri for meetings, okay? We've gone to Branson, Missouri for these meetings every year since we've been here. And so we're getting ready to go to these meetings. And, and if you get on Interstate 44 and you drive four hours on I-44, that's where you turn off to go south to Branson, all right? So as we begin to think about it, Annette's birthday is on the same day, the Tuesday, that we're leaving. And I'm thinking about her birthday. And so I walk in the bathroom at home one morning while we're getting ready. And I said, I've been thinking about your birthday, okay? Here's what I'm thinking. If we're going to Branson on Tuesday, on your birthday, which is four hours closer to Sadie, all right? She's only eight hours from there, all right? So what if we didn't leave on Tuesday? What if we left on Sunday after church? We could get there by two in the morning, all right? So why don't we, why don't we go all the way to Cincinnati and then we'll come back Tuesday to the meetings. I mean, here's how I think. If you're only eight hours away, you are practically in the neighborhood. Why wouldn't you stop by? I mean, drop in. What, what does that tell you about me? It tells you that I've changed my mind and my way of thinking. See, when it was just my daughter, Brittany and Tim living there, you know what I said? I'm not driving eight hours to go see them. You're out of your mind. But now I have a different mindset. And my mindset has changed. I mean, just completely. It's like, that is like a no-brainer. Who would not go? I mean, if you're only eight hours away, right? You're so close. Paul says, what if you change your mindset? What if you had the mindset of Jesus? What if you begin to think differently about yourself? Okay, here's the, here's the hope in it all, okay? We're talking about a mind, right? So our mind influences the way that we live our lives. Because a change of the mind is a change of the heart. And a change of the heart is a change of behavior. So when we begin to say, I change the way that I think by God's grace, and He gives us the power to do that, we begin to change that we live our everyday lives. And the good news here, and I love to say this on occasion, is simply this. You are not stuck to always be like you are. If you say, I don't like the way that I'm so self-centered, I have really good news for you. God can change your mindset, which changes your heart, which changes the way that you live your life in front of others. I mean, you're not just where you are forever. So that's, that's about it. That's about it. Let me, just, let me just finish up with a couple of things here, okay? When Jesus comes preaching, the kingdom of God is at hand. Last week I said to you that he is saying there is an alternative way for you to live your life. All right? I mean, there is an alternative way. And you don't have to think like your culture and you don't have to make wealth and power and privilege your main objective any longer. You don't have to just think, how can I use my position to better myself? You can begin to think like Jesus. There's another way to do life. Last week I said, Christmas is not your birthday. And Mike Bigger sent me a text and said, it really is my birthday. I was born on December 25th. But you get the point, right? It's not about me. And so in this season of Advent, you and I are waiting. 
for the coming of a child, waiting for a baby to be born who can change our hearts. All right? So here's the way we're going to respond this morning. We're going to sing. If you guys would come up. And I want you to just... Are you ever tempted to think about lunch during this part of the service? So, so try to resist that temptation, okay? Instead of thinking about lunch, I want you to focus on the words of this song. And I want you to sing it from your hearts. And I want you to engage. And I want you to push all that other stuff that's competing for your attention to the side. And I want you to be with the humble Jesus, the lowly Jesus in these moments, okay? Give him 100% of you. So let's stand together. Father, in these moments, we give you our full attention. We give you our worship. And we give you our hearts in Jesus' name.
for this time where we can come and learn about your son the way that he came in full humility and obedience showed us the way so God we thank you for sending the light and we be challenged to walk daily living our lives God with more of you less of ourselves. We do want to be like you. That church, would you receive this blessing today? Would you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength? And as you leave this place today, may you go and in full humility and obedience, love your neighbor as yourself. You are dismissed. As you go, don't forget, come back tonight. Join us as the children lead us in worship. Have a great afternoon. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.